missed his chances. Oh, brilliant goal! A brilliant goal! Remember the name, Wayne Rooney. Pirlo, 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 ancora, Pirlo, di tacco, tiro, episode 25 quarter of a century 25 in whoa yeah i mean it's episode number 25 but i think we've actually posted more than that because we've done like 25 remember a couple of episodes ago we did like 21.5 oh yeah or something the, so maybe we've done more episode. than 25 i have to go check the, the stats i have to go back and look at it but we've done a lot and um just give a shout out quickly to our subscribers on youtube Everyone following us, we just hit 200 subscribers. Um, we really appreciate it. Uh, keep hitting the subscribe button, keep hitting the like button. Next step is 500. 500, yeah. Get to Mr. Beast, 192 million. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll slowly inch our way there. Employees. 100 employees. <laughs> there he was go. just on Joe Rogan, wasn't he? Yeah, that's where I watched a bunch of his stuff. Yeah. I didn't see that one. I saw that he went on there, but I didn't watch it yet or listen to it. Yeah. No, he was a super. <laughs> We're just going to talk about YouTube now. He was like a super early adopter, I guess. Yeah. And I guess the first video he posted got like 20,000 views. Um, His first ever video? Yeah. And that's when he got hooked. I mean, obviously back then, I think this was 2006. Oh, man, that's huge then. Yeah. Yeah. But. uh, That's a lot. No, I was just looking at his channel. 92 million on YouTube. And then he's got like, I think he said he has like 200 in total across like all his platforms. Yeah. That's our next goal. 92 million that's so, like what country has 92 million people well he actually like, he said he mexico started well he like just even recently started getting a lot of traction too because he realized oh only 10 percent of the population speaks english so he got translators to do his videos in like portuguese spanish and what have you smart yeah, vietnam and, vietnam's got 97 million yeah. so the entire country of vietnam is subscribed to Mr. Beast. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's obviously a huge opportunity when you're able to translate everything. Because, uh, yeah, even just that metric, 10% speaking English, you have all these other people that. But if you were to put like captions on it, like you can, if you're in your home country, you can choose captions in different languages, right? No, but you have to generate those captions. Oh, YouTube, so you have to create yourself. As far as I'm aware. You. I think they have the built-in one. They have the closed captions. Yes, they have that. They have Before, that. Yeah, for English. Yeah, like we, for my company, we can put closed captions and it'll show them in English. Yeah. But if, unless you're speaking the language, it won't just auto-translate for you in a different language. Oh. Yeah. But I think it's like just even having it in that language is still like obviously a lot better. Yeah, for sure. Um, and he said he gets voice actors to do it. And I guess someone's super famous. He's coming out with Japan one. And someone's super famous in Japan is going to do it. And he said everyone's going to freak out because it's actually like a really famous person. That's really cool. Okay. What's, his, what's his YouTube channel about? 
Um, I think it started with him like eating something. Like I think his first ever video might have been him eating like a Carolina Reaper pepper in like 2006, I guess. And then it just he kind of kicked off from there, and yeah. he's got a whole collection of videos now. He has a bunch of different um stuff. I know some of it he gives away a lot of stuff. So like he'll give away like a house. Well, 98 million subscribers later, you probably have you probably afford it. <laughs> yeah. Um. But no, he does like weird stuff, like, like he this one four hundred fifty six thousand Squid Game in real life. By the way, we're not affiliated with in any way with Mr. Beast, obviously. <laughs> yes, no I mean, we, we if if his people want to reach out, I mean, we could be like his official soccer channel or something <laughs> for playlists. Yeah, get under his banner. I'll do it. I'm a yeah. sucker. I'll he sell has a bunch. He has like he has Beast philanthropy. I'll be a sell <laughs> he has Beast philanthropy. Mr. Beast gaming. Beast reacts. There's a lot of people on YouTube who do it for the, the wrong reason, and he seems like he's doing it for the genuine reason. Like, yeah, he's there to make money too, but he also gives back. Yeah, yeah. and he—I guess he was super awkward in high school, uh, or just in school in general, and he hated it. And he would just nerd out on YouTube, like all the time, and that's how he got good, like with the um, analytics on the back end. Yeah. yeah, and especially for starting at an like a young age, or starting when YouTube was just coming out, that's pretty cool. It's like getting into Apple stock in the eighties. Like you just you're just on top of the world. Like you just getting getting into Bitcoin. Yeah. The day. What, Fifteen years ago, ten years ago, get to Bitcoin. Yeah. That'd be cool. All right, so we're an English Premier League podcast, and we're here to talk about. Uh, I mean, probably the biggest match of the weekend was the Manchester Derby. Uh, Man City being dominant winners over United. I don't think. I mean, the scoreline itself, like four one, is is pretty dominating in itself. But I don't think we saw it going any other way. Like I didn't see United, you know, putting in a fair fight. Um, first half alone though, they actually did okay. Well, after, but then it was city, like, after city scored, they had to get rolling though. Like, yeah, but after city scored, man, you was really bring it to city. Oddly enough. And then, you know, they got their goal and I was like, Oh, is this going to be another weird situation where city just loot like ties or drops points in the game? They should win. And then I don't know what happened, but, second half came around and well De Bruyne just, happened right away yeah <laughs> De Bruyne happened yeah I mean th- there was that but the second half was just I don't even know men against boys to put it lightly yeah um I mean we've talked at lengths about Man City and Manchester United and how uh, I mean not just this season but the last couple of years there's a huge disconnect between the two teams in Manchester um Looking at it like historically, obviously United has been like the breadwinner of the of the city for decades and decades. But the evolution and the turn of Pellegrini coming there when he did to Man City, the influx of money coming from the new ownership, has Man City been like obviously they have overtaken United, but do you think they've overtaken them as the most popular club in the city? Or do you think the United fan base is still there? Yeah, I mean I do think the United fan base is, isn't really going to go anywhere. Um, but I would be interested to see a set, you know, what is the ratio between City and United fans? Because um, the City fans are all new fans. Pulled it up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he just got it. Yeah. Go. Just pulled it. Jamie on Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> yeah. Unofficial role. So, really, um, I don't know how accurate this is. Stadium maps. Um, just trying to see. As of May thirtieth, twenty twenty one, Man U has seventy three million fans worldwide. 
Chelsea's in second with forty nine million. Man City with forty million. That's mm. worldwide, though. Yeah, I mean worldwide, I think United's going to carry. Yeah, but I just mean like in like Manchester proper, like that whole area. Like obviously, there's the diehards that are always, are always going to be City blue. Mm-hmm. But I just I wonder like the new generation. Like if you're a young kid, let's say let's say your parents aren't affiliated with soccer at all. You have no background or support from either club, like in your lineage or anything. You're just an eight year old kid. Yeah, and you're tuning like turning the TV on Saturday and Sunday morning. You're gonna watch Man City and be like, "This is the team I want to follow." Like yeah. this team has been winning a bunch of times. Like if unless you go like on the Google machine and look up like past champions, you're not gonna know United won anything mm-hmm. in the last ten years, basically. So like you're gonna see Man City and be like, "This is the team I'm gonna follow. I'm gonna become a Man City fan." Yeah. So I think they have the I think they have like the new young blood of of supporters. But yeah, like like I said, historically the old crowd is gonna support Man United. Yeah. But the new wave of, of fans going City's way, I think. Yeah, I mean they play probably the most attractive football right now in Europe, at least I think so. Um you know, the last several seasons I've really enjoyed watching them play. Even today I watched them against sporting, knowing it was probably not gonna be much of a match seeing a city won the first leg five nil it's just really attractive football that they play i mean i don't see it really but any other team maybe byron um when they're really playing well but byron can have some like really off days not say man city can't but um byron has hit some rough patches this season it's just really attractive football to watch and i'm always excited to see how they play and what uh, they can pull off in a game so yeah i can definitely see young kids now just hopping on the man city bandwagon yeah it was it's not very clear in like in Manchester specifically which one's more popular um but yeah if you're if your parents aren't man U fans i'm not sure <laughs> what, if you have, to, if you what have the a attractiveness solid reason, is yeah. if you don't have a solid reason to be a man U fan or a city fan and you're on the fence i'm not sure if you can look at Man U and be like, oh, yeah, this is, <laughs> you know, it's just disaster. And, like, you know, even if you ask some of the diehard fans, they'll be like, you know, our ownership's a mess. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of that frustration, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen. But, <laughs> you know, we even talk about it how uh, when you look at Man City's ownership, um, not Sheik Mansour. I know he, know he's the owner, but they're like I don't know if it's their GM or their uh, CEO or a director or they're that guy. When I hear him talk, I'm like, this guy is there to like be the best, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then you hear, look at Manu and you're just like, you know, these guys just want to make money. Mm-hmm. We mean before the podcast started, we were kind of spitballing ideas of what to talk about, um, especially with this game in particular. And I put the put out the idea of making a starting eleven just based on players from Manchester. And I quickly took that back because it would basically be Man City starting 11 that they put out against United. Yeah. And the only player that I think we all could agree on was maybe Bruno Fernandes getting in there somewhere in the starting 11. But who are you taking out from Man City? Yeah. yeah I'm not taking out anyone. Um, and it, it's it's funny how you mentioned that. We were just really all over Man City. And I should, we should reiterate, I wouldn't call myself a Man City fan. You're a um, huge Man City fan. Well, I'm a fan of the team. I wouldn't say I'm 
a, a Man City fan, like the the fans that actually go to the games, like and, Joe, and uh, yeah, yeah. Like Joe, all the time. <laughs> uh, I just I just really like how they play, and I like just the entire structure of the team. Uh, I'm not particularly upset if they lose, or you know, I'm not like really sold out to be a Man City fan for the rest of my life, type thing. Um, you're a fan of just. You're a fan of football. You're a fan of just watching the games. Yeah, yeah. And a fan of like I'm, I'm watching a, good teams yeah, play and, well, and, and yeah, you give right. the appreciation like when it's due. Yeah, but you guys do leave like you guys do both lead heavy Man City. Well, which is fine. I do. It's fine. I do because they deserve to win the title. I guess. You know what I mean. So when I see, and that's why I get frustrated when I see like VAR results don't go City's way on certain occasions. Because you're a fan. Um. Well, no, because some because <laughs> come the end of the season, if Liverpool wins, I'll, I could be like, I don't think the best team won the league in the end, and I know Liverpool fans would be like all like upset, but Ooh. you know, it's just you know, Man City at their best is the best. I guess we would put it that way. But back to your point on the starting eleven, yeah, like looking at this team right now. You, I can't really say, like, you know, maybe Grealish on an off day is worse than Sancho when he's on. I know Sancho's been, you know, getting a few goals lately, but, yeah, there's no one I would really. Maybe even like Bruno Fernandes for Grealish, because he's kind of, I think Bruno Fernandes and, and Bernardo Silva are similar to an extent where they can be moved around the pitch pretty much anywhere they want. Or, like, anywhere the manager, like, needs them to play or to show up, they can kind of do it. Like in this game here, Bruno Fernandes, according to the starting eleven um, lineup, was playing striker for United. Yeah, we've seen him line up on the left side before, next to whoever's playing in the middle. We've seen him in the middle supporting the strikers, and we've also seen him before, you know, drop back with either McTominay or Fred on like alongside mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Bernardo Silva is kind of same in that sense, and for them to both be Portuguese, like what a blessing for Portugal, eh, to have these yeah. two guys at your disposal. But maybe he's the only other player that I could think of. I mean, Sancho's a good pick, too, because like, like Joe said, when he's on, he's on. But I think Bruno Fernandes has been the best player at United for the last couple of seasons. And a lot of their success has come from him because he's shown up and just either created goals out of nothing or like scored the goals out of nowhere that have been timely goals for United. But, I mean, I don't see him replacing Mares. De Bruyne, obviously not. Maybe Foden. Because I don't think Foden is like that versatile to play that center spot up there like up top. Yeah. Obviously, they do have like tons of movement between the top three, but I think maybe Fernandez is better than Foden. That's just my opinion. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's heavily heavily blue favored. Yeah. In the starting eleven, if we were to make our yeah. starting eleven, maybe <laughs> like what I would do probably is just put Foden where Grealish is and maybe put Ronaldo up top. But you know. That'd be gross. Though, everyone, like, everyone, keep in mind we're picking Ronaldo in 20, March 2022. I'm not saying obviously Ronaldo from seven years ago. No, wouldn't no. get in the side. Like just being realistic about what Ronaldo's no, stats like, are. Yeah, this is right now, like in real time. Yeah, like just looking at the 11 from last weekend. Yeah, because you look like De Bruyne, Sterling, and Mara's all have more goals than Ronaldo. So it's like. And that's why he, that's why he was brought there. Yeah, because United didn't know what was going to happen with Rashford, because yeah. he was obviously been injured on and off the pitch um, the last few seasons. 
Sancho coming in the side for the first time this season, slow, slow start, not knowing mm-hmm. how he's going to perform. Yeah. So I think they really turned to Ronaldo as probably their primary goal scorer. And like what a dream start he had to the season. Yeah, he was just on fire. Was he scoring like five goals in five games or something? Yeah. He Whatever mm-hmm. it was. And then since basically Christmas, he's really, you know, trailed off. And yeah. he's now not getting into the side. Ragnick's not starting to pick him as often. I think I called this way back when he joined the team. Wait until the season kind of goes on and goes further and more games are played. He's going to play the younger guys like Ilanga coming on, getting the start here. Sancho getting the start next to Pogba in the spot that Ronaldo would normally play on the left wing. So maybe it's fitness catching up with him, which is crazy because he's this absolute specimen. Yeah. But. Fitness player. Yeah, but maybe it's just like yeah, the the training in like week to week and whatever it is taking a toll on his body and he wants to rest. Maybe this isn't the proper game to rest him against Man City. You would think you'd want your best foot forward. Um he wasn't even on the bench this game, so maybe he was actually hurt. I'm not totally sure. But um yeah, no appearance from him and uh Cavani's gone, right? Did they get rid of Cavani? I in the transfers? I don't know. I don't remember seeing that in uh, any of the transfers. Um, okay, no, he's still there. Um, yeah, I didn't see him in any of the transfer news. I know there's a bunch of rumors about a lot of Man U players wanting out, Rashford being one of them, and Ronaldo being one of them. Um, just well, it's w- just difficult for them, right? Like Just waiting for Ronaldo to make the move to PSG. And link up with Messi. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. Don't even start to say that. PSG, call- PSG could really need him, though. <laughs> They're still going to. After today, they could. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we can touch on that just real quick because we watched all the highlights of the game. Um, yeah, we are an English Premier League podcast, but we will hit on the big games when they show up. PSG, Real Madrid today. Round of 16, Champions League. PSG coming into the match uh, with a 1-0, 1-0. Uh, lead on aggregate. Games in Madrid, away goal gone this year. Yeah. Um, which I I don't like very much. I like I like having the away goal yeah. rule. You like that? I do. Um. Anyways, PSG comes out firing, scored two goals, uh, in the first half. Two? F- no, one first half goal. One, for, one goal first. Half. One goal first half. One goal yeah. second half. Took a two nothing lead. Uh. No. What? No, they got like one two nothing lead on the aggregate. Yeah. So oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Scored one goal in the first half. Took a two nothing lead on aggregate. Yeah. Yeah. And then Madrid storms back and scores. Well, Benzema scores three goals in Benzema. seven. Oh, yeah, yeah, Benzema scores three goals in seventeen minutes. Yeah. Um, for Madrid, his last goal coming in the eightieth minute, I believe, to put Madrid up three one. Um, just that was a crazy game. Yeah. Like yeah. what a second half, and like what else can PSG really do to like get off that hump of not winning Champions League. Them and P- them and Man City just for parallels are kind of same that way. Yeah. They're yeah. dominant in their domestic league. They win other tournaments like whether domestically or like you know like uh, Community whatever, Shield yeah. or whatever it's called or Champions Cup whatever the hell they whatever made up tournament you want to you want to call it. And then when it comes to the big one, they yeah. just can't get over the hump. They can't win Champions League. Yeah. Like yeah. who's going to do it first? Man City or PSG? I think Man City. Mm-hmm. Um, just because at least Man City has gotten to a final. Um, and it's Pep. Well, PSG got there two years ago. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I speaking about how well they perform in uh, in their respective domestic leagues, you know, obviously it's harder for City to have the dominance they have in the EPL as opposed to PSG in France. No disrespect to League One. But I just I, – I still see a lot of gaps, you know, in the PSG team. Um, you know, I think – I, I just do have a sense that City will probably win it for them. But yeah, they just, both of them just can't get over the hump. And it's performances like this, you know, obviously are the ones you have to win. Uh, you can't just blow a 2 0 aggregate lead once you have it. Mm-hmm. So, and like, there was some luck involved with, I mean, not luck, but some circumstances that swung Madrid's way, like with Don Ruma screwing up and like coughing the ball up yeah. to give Benzema his first goal. And then just the implosion of the third goal after the second goal was scored. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I don't even know what's happened there. <laughs> they just, you could feel the nervousness. Yes. It was almost like, Oh, we got scored on and it's one or one, one now mm-hmm. they're probably going to score again. And he just felt like they were. Yeah. That's off the, so the third goal scored by Benzema to put them over the edge there um, and give them the three, two victory on aggregate was, in the 80th minute, and I believe it was scored, sorry, 78th minute, and it was scored right off the restart of the second goal he scored. Yeah. To tie the game on aggregate, or to tie the series on aggregate. Um, I think it was like 10 seconds after. It goes literally like this restart happened, turned it over, go down the pitch, Benzema scores. Yeah. And like within a two minute time period, PSG went from leading the match to win to now losing. Like from tie, like leaving the match to tying to losing in like three minutes. Yeah, like very strange. Check your heart rate after that one if you're a PSG fan, and if you're a Madrid fan, they're going nuts in the stands. Yeah, good yeah, to see the, good to see fans home, back. Um, would have been worse if they did it away, but well, I think it, just, I think it's, I think it had to happen at home. Like yeah. I think it did happen because it was at home. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, there's a lot to do with it, especially with all the fans finally mm-hmm. back. Um, yeah, I mean, I picked the wrong game to watch. Well. I did not watch that game. Like I said, I watched the City game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you watched Bayern, though. You said two, I right? did watch the Bayern game. Um, not a convincing first uh, leg for them, tying uh, Salzburg. Salzburg, yeah. Uh, really, really bad performance by Bayern. You know, mm-hmm. I know during the start of the podcast, you talked about Bayern maybe being the team to take Champions League. Was really not convinced after watching that. Then this leg, they just come out and... <laughs> end up winning 8-2 on uh on aggregate um yeah just a massive performance by Lewandowski you know scoring two PKs yeah it was it it looked like the Bayern that did have a chance to win Champions League so it'll be interesting to see who they draw the next round I think the matchup we've been wanting to see is Bayern and Man City in a final I don't want to see it in a quarter or semis because that kind of defeats the I don't mm-hmm. know the the mystique of it, you know. Yeah, yeah. You want to see these two teams play in the final because they are two of the most comparable teams I think you have out there. Yeah. Um, like you just touched on PSG, you know, being just dominant in Liga. They um they finished second place last year against uh, second place last year in the table. Lille was the title winners, but that was the first time that a team other than PSG won in like ten ten yeah. years. Um, when you look at the EPL table and the Bundesliga, it's basically a Bayern or Dortmund possibly, or Man City or maybe like Liverpool. 
Mm-hmm. That's kind of like who it's been the last decade, it seems like. Yeah. Um. Obviously, you throw in a Chelsea here and there, or you know, I don't even know who else won in Bundesliga. Probably nobody. <laughs> um. But like, it's it's you always see like the Bayerns and the Man Cities there, and their playing style is kind of similar. They're very fast paced. They keep possession like crazy, and they have clinical finishers up and down the pitch for both sides. You got, you know, arguably the best left back in the world with Alfonso Davies, the Canadian boy on Bayern mm-hmm. producing, doing well for them. And then you have Jao Cancelo on the side of Man City yeah. along with Kyle Walker, very similar style of play. You have the clinical finishing of Lewandowski. You got De Bruyne with who finishes clinically Thomas Muller with, you know, chance creations, the speed of Leroy Sané, the speed of Raheem Sterling. Like they just match yeah. up so evenly with each other. You just want to see them go at it. Yeah. That's, that's my hope for this year's final. I mean, I would love to see them both play against each other. Uh, we'll wait and see. I mean, that's that's gonna be a matchup for uh, for the decade if that happens, and as long as it just doesn't go a zero 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 through to PKs. PKs. Yeah. That's the kind of thing too. It's like when you have such good teams match up against each other, they like yeah. balance each other out, yeah. and it's just like a stalemate. Like yeah. I don't like who would want to see like a game where it's like exactly four hundred passes each, exactly fifty fifty possession, two shots on goal maybe. Like that's like such a shitty yeah expectation for like a monumental game right like you don't want that to happen yeah like you want to see fireworks you want to see like a 5-4 thriller or something yeah <laughs> yeah well you just need you need a mistake you need a goal early yeah in, in those cases that that'll always spice things up and that's kind of what happened in the derby this weekend with De Bruyne scoring the fifth minute yeah um I mean there's times I think when scoring too early might hurt a team because then it allows so much time for the other team to come back and score but it the flip side would have been if United scored in the fifth minute or something like, yeah, it's great to get the early lead at times, but then now you're putting Man City on the front foot for 85 minutes. Yeah. In this match, Man City got the early goal and just didn't look back. Yeah. Like they carried the momentum. Like Joe said, United did come back with a lot of pressure and they did score an equalizer, you know, 15 minutes later or so. But then from that point on, you saw a city take over the game. Yeah. And I mean, I saw Ragnick's post game afterwards and he said like we had, we had nothing in the second half. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter what he would have really done, put on different subs. He had Rashford come in, Lingard come in, two obviously attacking substitutions. Um, But still, it, it, it wouldn't have really mattered. He could have put on Ronaldo, Messi, and Neymar. It wouldn't have mattered the way that City was playing. Yeah. Um, By them dropping points when they did against Tottenham a couple of weeks back, it did open up the window, I think, for Liverpool to kind of come in there. And, I mean, we barely talk about Liverpool on this podcast because they're just so consistent. Yeah. And, like, their wins don't surprise anyone and their results don't surprise anybody. You know, six draws, two losses on the season for Liverpool, along with 19 wins. Puts them six points back from Man City with one game in hand. So, ideally, you would think they are going to win that game most likely. So, they're three points back, level on, matches played. Do we think this you know one horse race that we called it a month ago when city was pulling so far away do we think that's still secure or do we have another title race on our hands no i would say we definitely have a title race i mean the the lost city had really 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 hurt them um so i think it's back on i i'm not uh you know april 10th 
Uh, Man City, City, Liverpool. Just thinking about the date there. Um, That's going to be obviously a massive game. Uh, I think if City win that one, it's going to be kind of set uh, for the title. Uh, It's at home for City, which obviously gives them a big advantage. But if Liverpool pull that off, you know, it's going to be a kind of nervous closeout to the end of the season uh, for both teams. Um, There's not many weeks left. No, I mean, it's it's coming to a close. Uh, like you said, a month ago, we were talking about how just Man City was pulling away, but they had uh, a couple bad results. It just opened the door for Liverpool to, like you said, just be consistent and keep getting those results. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Yeah, like the, the outlier here is the, obviously the 3-2 win um, for Tottenham over Man City. Uh, Drog and Southampton, which we touched on before with Southampton showing up in the big games. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're really like the, the giant killer when it comes to that. Just They're momentum killers, really, yeah. Southampton. Like you have a team go on a roll or five straight victories. They go against Southampton for whatever reason. They just can't solve them. They either draw or they end up even even losing their match. Mm-hmm. Um, same with Palace, too. Palace is one of those teams mm-hmm. who always put up a good fight. But you would think the majority of the games left for Man City especially – um, oh, they got to play Crystal Palace at home. Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna lose. Yeah, <laughs> just call <laughs> it right now. Man City's losing lose to Crystal Palace. That Crystal match. Palace all the time. Yeah, so that'd be Monday of next week. So they come off the four-one victory this weekend. Nil nil draw today against Ford against Champions League, um, or securing their their ticket to the uh, quarterfinal. But then their next um, EPL match, yeah, against Crystal Palace at home. Um, sorry, at Selhurst Park. So at home for for Palace. Man, that could be that could be a little spicy meatball for them. Um, let's see who Liverpool has on the flip side. I, I don't think like I don't think I physically watched the game where City beat Crystal Palace. <laughs> <laughs> I know they have before, but I wasn't. watching. Oh, they definitely have. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's that game's on the Monday night, and Liverpool plays Brighton um, on the Saturday, so two days before, and then midweek on the Wednesday, Liverpool has Arsenal. I have a feeling um, about this Arsenal-Liverpool game. Arsenal away. I mean, that's a good one. I mean, it's a top four tilt. Yeah, and just Arsenal's form lately. I think they're going into this, like into that game with... Is that their next game? Yeah. Oh, uh, no, Arsenal has Leicester on Sunday. Yeah. And then the return match is on... Or the next match is on uh, I mean, the 16th. They beat... If they beat Leicester, just based on the win against Wolves and Wofford, which were insane just two games back to back where you just eke out a win it's like massive just you know dopamine pump yeah um so if they beat Leicester, i think they're going to the liverpool game with as much confidence as you possibly can and it's gonna be interesting we've been kind of waiting for this from arsenal yeah we've been waiting for them to have a big game because i mean again again we can beat a dead horse as much as we want but at the beginning of the season we said arsenal was going to get relegated <laughs> and this is the worst start to their they're like arteta's going to be gone yeah their club's yeah. career or their club's existence is the worst that they've ever had blah 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 come back and to be in fourth place now i mean it's a huge stretch away from winning the title clearly but other than if your name's not man city or man or liverpool there's no way you're gonna win the title or your name's even in discussion it was mm-hmm. a three-horse race, and then Chelsea drastically fell off around the Christmas break. But for Arsenal to climb the table like they have, by picking up like little wins here and there, like kind of wins that go under the radar, you know, you mm-hmm. beat you beat Brighton, you beat um, 
you beat Brentford, you beat Leeds, like just keep on like having these wins rack up. And then by the time you get to the top of the table, you're in fourth place mm-hmm. like before you know it. But like I said, I think we've been waiting for the big one um, from Arsenal. We've been waiting to, for them to show up and say, like, we've arrived. We deserve to be here in the top four. Um, their biggest win that they had this season was probably maybe the West Ham, the West Ham game. game in December 15th. Um, coming off a loss against United and a loss against Everton, they kind of needed a bounce back, um, I guess, against a big side. But they haven't really had any big wins all season. They beat Leicester um, away earlier in the year. Well, yeah. earlier in the in the season, it was actually in October, so it was last last year. But this is a different Arsenal side that we've seen from that point. Yeah. Um, them winning the derby against Tottenham is obviously a huge momentum booster when that took place in um, in September. But again, other than that, they have that win, they have Leicester win, and then it's just. Yeah, the most recent form, a win against Watford, a win against Wolves, a win against Brentford. Um, you know, they, they beat up on Norwich, you know, early in the season as well. So they have, like, convincing wins, but nothing that really stands out and says, wow, they beat this team? Mm-hmm. Wow, like, they they showed up and knocked off a Liverpool, knocked off a Chelsea. So these next two games, especially against Leicester, is always tough to play against, even though they're having a pretty lackluster season for their standards um, would be a big win for them. And then, yeah, on the flip side, the game against Liverpool could be a real one to look for um, yeah. in the midweek, depending on what happens in the City game as well on, on Monday against Crystal Palace. Yeah, because that one's going to always be in question for me anyway. Uh, just Zaha just always gives her D trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure playing at home, same thing's going to happen. But yeah, this with the games in hand Arsenal have taking these three points from Liverpool is um, maybe three points that if there's any uh, points you would assume they would drop with all those games in hand, it would probably be the Liverpool game compared to the other ones. But if they can get three points from that, they're just obviously pulling farther and farther away uh, to secure that top four spot. Yeah, they could even rival Chelsea, depending on how Chelsea does the remainder of the season, too. Yes, if Chelsea keeps like declining and slowly crashes and burns. <laughs> yep, that's my team. What's going on with Chelsea right now? Uh, I mean, we've we touched on it with Liverpool being a very consistent team, and I think Chelsea is a very inconsistent team. Um, and the whole discussion of you know injuries are kind of out the window now because everyone gets hurt. Everyone kind of has like the next man up mentality. With Chelsea, though, when someone gets hurt or doesn't perform properly, the team just plays down their performance. They don't like no one really says, "Okay, I'm going to be the guy to step up now." Like I'll do it, guys. Like I'll take control here and like be the one to make the team better. Like Lukaku is clearly slumping. Mm-hmm. Our right side of defense was like decimated when Reese James wasn't there. Thank God he's back now, because Marcus Alonso wasn't cutting it. Um, I think his age is catching up with him too, and fitness wise, he wasn't able to play week in week out like he used to. So when James got hurt, Chilwell hasn't played basically all season. So Azpilicueta is getting a lot of minutes now too, and he's getting up there in age. So we've kind of had to, you know, play our older guys more than we want to, and I think that's kind of hurting us a little bit. Um, the, I mean, underperformance of Lukaku is a huge, glaring like red flag for us. Spending the money that we did on him and the expectation we had of him coming into the season at the beginning of the year. 
was like huge. Like everyone was, everyone was like cloud nine for Lukaku. It mm-hmm. seemed like he wanted to be there. It sounded like he wanted to come back home and play for Chelsea. The money was spent. You know the the support was there from from management, from the players, from the fan base. Everyone seemed pretty happy by it. It was kind of the fairy tale start. His first month of the year, he had some good results. He scored in his first couple of games, and then he started to slowly like lose some momentum a little bit. He got hurt in a Champions League match, I believe, and was out for a little while. And then since the new year, he's just been non-existent. Mm-hmm. He hasn't shown up. He hasn't put away the goals that he should. He's creating space for himself and just not getting service, which is one thing, which is not always the striker's fault. I know from experience, it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> Looking at you, Santi. Um, back in the in the glory days back of Tecumseh. That was been wide open a lot of times. A lot of goal kicks result from those. Hey, <laughs> from me being wide hey, open. But you'll see over time, you know, things improved. And then uh, in the Polonia days, when yeah. uh, you were right up there with... What was it? It was we had three Polonia people in the top four for most goals. Yeah, that was a good season. That was a, that was a fairy tale season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I passed you the ball that season. I passed you the ball while doing that season. Yeah, outside of the foot <laughs> on a breakaway. Yeah, that was nice. <laughs> the first one I think of. That's a beauty. Um, Talking about uh, Essex County Soccer League soccer here. Hey man, it's a big deal. It's a big deal to some. Yeah, got no goals. <laughs> That's not your job, Joe. I know. You're the you're the glue guy. Yep, CDM. <laughs> just <laughs> kick it up to you guys that just hold the fort. That, but yeah. that's fine, man. You need to. I mean, someone's got to do it. Yeah, someone's got to allow no goals back there. Um, but just yeah, just Chelsea's performance. I mean, Lukaku just not showing up and and being as poor as he has has got him out of the starting eleven now, and sometimes not even on the bench as as a as a, a substitution option. And I give Tuchel credit for that. I mean, how much. It's kind of like the Harry Kane scenario. It's like, how much can you still rely on this person to give you results and give you, um, yeah, give you results when he just doesn't do it? Like, it's almost like you're giving someone like an evaluation for their job. It's like you're watching someone just do poorly. Meanwhile, you have people like willing to, you know, fill in that role, fill in that spot, and just keep giving this guy a chance after chance to perform and like do better, and he just doesn't. Mm-hmm. So, if you're owning a business, what are you going to do? You're probably going to fill that position. Yeah, and by him not starting Lukaku the last couple of games, um, I mean the team has been able to like still eke out results. But you're playing against Burnley, you're playing against you know Luton Town in the FA Cup. Um, you know you're playing the game against Palace where they kind of scored a light last minute winner there. In Chelsea's case, also they've had a lot of um, like non Premier League matches that have been taking place. They've had like Champions League games against Lille. They had the EFL Cup against um, Liverpool, an FA Cup match against Luton Town, so they haven't had many EPL games to to play and have the Kaku play in. But now you got Norwich tomorrow. We're recording this podcast on Wednesday night, so Thursday you have Chelsea and Norwich. This is would be again the ideal game to start Lukaku, mm-hmm. play him against the lower side, give him a little extra boost, give him like motivation to to go start in the game against Burnley when Chelsea was finally put a dominant performance out and then won 4-0, they had a 3-0 lead in the 55th minute with Lukaku not starting and him being available on the bench and Tuchel still didn't put him in the game. Yeah. To me, that's a game you put your striker in. You know the game is sealed. Clearly, like it's Burnley. They're just kind of offloading players left and right. Um, the defense is one of the worst in the league. 
put your striker in when you can and let him go at it. I mean, Burnley's allowed 36 goals this year. Um, actually, it isn't really that much compared to other teams. Yeah, Everton's. <laughs> wow, look at Leeds. Um, I'm 36 goals against, 22 goals for. I mean, Burnley doesn't scare me. Yeah. Uh, you could catch him on like a weird night once in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, just ask Tottenham coming off that Man City win and then <laughs> facing Burnley. But again, when you have the game sealed at three and nil in the fifty fifth minute, yeah, I think that's a that's like a manager's dream. Okay, put your striker in. That's been underperforming. Like that's the time about it. Like last season, I'd want to see Werner go in at that point. Mm-hmm. Like Timo, you haven't scored in like eight years. Go in and play against Burnley. We got the game sealed. Go take some chances. Take some risks. And part of Lukaku's um like downfall the last couple of weeks and the last couple of months is he does not look like he wants to be there anymore. Yeah. Like you watch his body language on the pitch and he looks so dejected when he doesn't score or when he doesn't get the ball or doesn't receive service. He looks like he's going to cry in the field. Yeah. I've been there again. Like it sucks. Like when you're just not like you're trying your hard or it looks like you're trying your hardest and you're not, it's just not working out for you, but you're being paid millions and millions of dollars. Like you have to do better. Yeah. You have to try and find different ways to make your team better. You have to try and find different ways to help your team. And he just looks dejected every single time he doesn't get the ball. Mm-hmm. If he, you know, if Mount takes a shot and it goes, you know, 10 feet over the net, Lukaku puts his hands up in the air saying like, I was wide open, like he's being a little crybaby about it. That's just the, you don't want that in your side. That's like a yeah. cancer in your team. Like you can't have your team doing that or a player doing that in your team. And it's important as a player as important as Lukaku is. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, feels like that all kind of started when the interview came out where he was kind of bashing Chelsea and his role and the formation they were playing and not really getting the service he wanted. It all really started going downhill after mm-hmm. that. And it just goes to show if you're not really jiving with the team, if you have a bad attitude, things rarely go your way. Um, Ronaldo is probably the only person I can think of where maybe behind the scenes things were going well. I don't know if you guys remember, but it was in the Euro Cup, I think, when Portugal played England and Ronaldo got Rooney sent off. Oh, yeah. And Man U fans didn't like him. He was getting booed at all the games. Uh, He probably didn't have the best attitude when it even came to getting subbed off. But then he was still racking up, you know. Yeah, he was just that good. Yeah, Yeah. and that's that's He just got goals. After, through all that, your job as a striker is to get goals, and he's like, I'm just going to get goals. Yeah, as that's your only job. No matter, no matter how good you think you are, as a number nine, the only stat that counts is if you get goals. Yeah, like 100%. that was the issue with City. I know, um, I don't know if this is just rumors, but I know Aguero and Guardiola maybe weren't totally on the same page. Um, I know they had they had like dinner together. I don't know if it's just rumors or what have you, but at the end of the day, Aguero was just getting goals. And as a coach, you have to play the guy that's getting you goals, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I would love to have that problem right now. If, if Tuchel mm-hmm. and Lukaku hate each other, that's fine. Yeah. If, if Lukaku's got 25 goals this season. Yeah. It's like, fine. If, if the fans hate, by me. fans hate you. And this was what really struck me about the whole um, Diego Costa situation. I mean, I know Chelsea's been struggling for a striker since Drogba left. And I thought they had it with... We did have it, and then they I just love Diego Costa, and then they just mm-hmm. took him out of sight. It's like, oh, he's he's not going to be part of the system anymore. It's like 
I don't care what system you play. If you have a striker getting you goals, you find a way to work him into that system. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, oh, no, you're out. And they bring in Morata, who obviously flopped. Oh, God. But, we had, um, we had uh, Iwain too, for a minute. Yeah. But, you know, God, you can't... This whole idea of the system you want to play. And sure, you know, I know Guardiola plays a system, but I know he would have loved to play a false nine, but same thing. Aguero's getting you goals. So it's like, okay, we're going to play with a number nine striker because we have a striker, a number nine that's getting us goals. So I know Conte's a good coach, but in that scenario play with a number nine because you have a number nine getting you goals like it doesn't matter if you're romantic about a system you know yeah having Diego Costa in your side is better than having him not in your side yeah like he's like the most ideal like mm-hmm. player you love to hate like if mm-hmm. you're like if he's not on your team you hate the guy if he's on your team he's like your your, your favorite player mm-hmm. um just looking at the stats from this season just on the Chelsea um Chelsea players the has five goals in 17 appearances and no assists. That's kind of like a glaring number for me. Mm-hmm. Like you have the support around you of Mount and Kai Havertz playing with him most of the time, Zayech and Pulisic, and you have no assists. So you're trying. To, you're showing me that you scored five goals, which are you know that's good. I haven't gone back and looked at all the goals exactly how they were scored, but I think a lot of them were probably you know handed to him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying they were tap-ins. He had to, he had to do something to score the goal, but I'm saying they were not probably solo efforts yeah but then the next stat next to you is zero assists when everyone around you has six assists one assist six assists one one two like down the list you can go and you're throwing a big fat zero there (laughs) that's showing me that you're not playing for the team yeah like you like again if you if you're not contributing on the goal sheet by you scoring you find other ways to contribute i mean if i was to go to the same website here but go to um, let's just say Harry Kane. Again, we I can't type. Again, we say how he hasn't shown up this season and he's kind of had like a downside. Um, but he still finds ways to contribute. Let's just see what he's got on the assist wise. Don't make me look like an idiot here, Harry Kane. What is happening? I think you can just see it right there, though. Goals. Oh, here we go. Ten. He's not ten goals this year. He has ten goals now. Well, I guess he got like three hat tricks in the last. That's true. <laughs> so know? he's had a, he's had a crazy last couple months, but ten goals and three assists still. Three more than Lukaku. Yeah. I mean, like he. I mean, those are probably all the son, but <laughs> and the goals are all. If you look at if you look at Son's, <laughs> all three assists are to Son. All ten goals are assists from Son. There you go. There, that's what I was trying to say. Um. <laughs> But again, like you, if you're not yeah, again, you're not performing properly. You find ways to help out. You find ways to make your team better, and you feel happy when you score. When Lukaku scores, he looks like a pissed off teenager. <laughs> like he looks yeah. like he's just mad at the world. It's like yeah. you, you just scored, man. Like be happy. Like celebrate a little bit. Like he scored a game in the FA Cup match against Luton Town. Him and Werner both scored that game, which was like that's got to be a first. Yeah. Um, in the record books, but. He scores and just like turns around, and, like just like had his head down, no reaction, no smile, no emotion. The guys around him came in, like gave him a hug, celebrated. They had smiles on their faces. He just didn't give a shit. Yeah, it's like look like you want to be there. Yeah, mm-hmm. very very strange. You know, it's at home well, too. The match is at home. Like is that Stanford Bridge? Like you're like, yeah. you scored in front of your supporters. They want to see you like, care. Yeah, yeah. And that's the whole thing. I always like to see when players celebrate when they score because it shows they care. I mean, you know, you don't got to be like 
you know, I was about to riff the U.S. women's national team. I'm going to stop. Ooh. But <laughs> you, uh, it's good in that conversation. Yeah, you don't got to go like, oh, like obviously if you're like smashing a team five nothing, you, you don't got to go like slide to the corner flag. But you know, <laughs> no. But the game for Chelsea, they it was uh, it was FA Cup and they were it was a tight game. I think if I if I can recall, I should remember this. Um, yeah, they beat Luton Town three two. Yeah, Lukaku scored the he scored the the leading goal. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like showing when you're pumped about a big goal, like it shows you care, right? Um, I mean, if you're not, it's always good to see. <laughs> If you're not, you're like intentionally trying to show that you don't care because you're upset. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's trying you know. harder to not show emotion than it would be to just be natural. Yeah. Werner scoring. Oh, jeez. Um, just looking at the highlights real quick. I just want to show the guys. Lutton Town v Chelsea. Oh, again, oh, the goal already happened. Whoops. I was Lutton Town or Luton Town. I'm not totally sure which one it is. Luton. Probably Luton Town, I think. I want to see Wrexham in one of these games. That'd be cool. <laughs> Wrexham. Ryan Reynolds. Host of Man City players just get creamed. <laughs> He'd probably be there in the stadium. He'd probably He'd be, be there and then tweet about, or not tweet about, probably post on Instagram. It's like, we got crushed. He'd be like, oh, okay, we're selling the team. <laughs> Did the goal already happen? No, I see. I'm, I must have missed this. Sixty-eighth minute. I think it was. Oh my god! I'm trying. I'm <laughs> trying to get to the the score sheet. Where is it? Yes, yeah, seventy-eighth minute. minute. They, I don't think they showed the goal. They were just like, nah. If <laughs> we don't want to see his pissed off face. Isn't it this right there? Oh, there it is. See, like, look, like, just doesn't look that upset. Well, he's he just points to Werner, like, yeah. But like, look, like he just scored. Oh, he's offside. That's why. Yeah, this got called back when he was actually onside. Yeah, so that's what I mean. So I can't find the goal. Oh, they gave it to they gave him the yeah. goal. Yeah, okay. they called offside on the field. Maybe he's like called it back. Okay, it yeah. Onside. So that's why I was confused. But yeah. like he doesn't like if that was me like again there's twelve minutes, twelve minutes to go in the game you just scored the leading goal to send your team to the quarterfinal the FA Cup yeah smile dude like show some like little fist pump or something he just points at Werner like okay good pass bro like yeah. I I want to see my players be excited to be there yeah and I think everyone does right um, as a fan uh, I think who was it was it Ronaldo. Where there was some player on some team who was getting a little bit of stick from the fans for not celebrating. It was Ronaldo. It was Ronaldo. Yeah. Uh, Trey United. Yeah, back in the day. All oh, like previous, think previous United. A little bit before he went to Real Madrid. Because he at that time too, he kind of overstayed his welcome with United. A little bit. I like mean, he he became bigger than the club, which is tough to say. Talking <laughs> about United two thousand like six, whatever it was. Yeah. But he was on such a high, such a rise. He was he was bigger than the club. Well, because then that's when Real Madrid was like the show, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I want to go to Real Madrid and win like every Champions League, which they did, you yeah. know. So, yeah, crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, we touched on it a little bit, but we'll just look at the upcoming matches this week, um, for the big the big clubs here. Um. So yeah, Chelsea Norwich tomorrow. We'll see how the, if Chelsea can bounce back and see if Lukaku can really show up a little bit. Oh, we didn't touch on Tottenham Everton. 
Everton's going down. Holy <laughs> jumping. Yeah. Everton might go down. Probably. You know, the, I, when I was watching this game, I had the thought again about how Harry Kane's just back in form. And, you know, a few months ago, we were just talking about how he was not, it seemed like he just didn't want to be there, not getting goals, really poor performances. He's another two goals and, you know, played really well. Uh, I think he's just back for Tottenham. I mean, to say. what a time to show up the last quarter of the season. Yeah. I mean, um, kind of behind on trying to make top four unless they just go on a massive winning run. It's actually going to be a crazy show, like, towards the end of the year. So we have, again, this is we. we it's the most cliche, but, like, we've touched on it so many times kind of thing. The EPL is beautiful. Because you have so many inner battles, like, within the, the table. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, you have, like, the, the race for the title. You have the relegation battle, which is always coming down to the last weekend. And then you have the fight for Europe. Yeah. And our three-horse race for the title is kind of now of a two-horse race. We've made that clear. Our relegation battle has been one of the more exciting things throughout mm-hmm. the season. With yeah. the likes of Newcastle and Brentford coming out. Um you know, Watford and Everton slipping slowly, slowly towards it. And then again, like the race for Europe, you have three points separating fourth from seventh place with games in hand being just tossed left and right. Yeah. Like it's a ring ring <laughs> toss at a carnival. I mean, there's just, there's a lot to still play for this season. And we're lucky enough to just watch it all unfold for the next, I don't know, three or four yeah. weeks, well, three or four months, probably 12 weeks. Yeah. We got, uh, well, depending on who you are, you got ten to thirteen games <laughs> left. Yes. <laughs> yes, I just looked at the games that I've been playing this week are makeup matches. So, like, yeah, I think the reg- I think the most of the teams are in match day twenty nine, but the game tomorrow of Wolves and Watford is match day nineteen. Oh, yeah, match day nineteen. Aston Villa and Leeds yeah. match day twenty. Um, Southampton Newcastle match day twenty one. Chelsea somehow is already match day thirty. Against Norwich, when the rest of the league are in match <laughs> yeah, day twenty nine on Saturday. Why is Chelsea playing match <laughs> match day third? Chelsea's playing. How are they playing? How are they playing match day thirty when they've only played twenty six games and everyone else only played twenty eight? I've never. They're playing. They've had ma- games postponed. They're playing their Chelsea's playing their match day thirty before they're playing their match day twenty nine. <laughs> yeah, well, because I think so. Chelsea's had postponed what? matches because they've had the Carabao Cup and they had to go away for their. Um, yeah, but how are they playing a game? Playing how are they playing a fixture in the future? They're playing match day thirty, but, there, they have, but, but they then have... match day twenty nine is this weekend, and they're playing Newcastle on Sunday. Why didn't yeah? Why did match day thirty for Chelsea get postponed when it didn't happen yet? Uh, I'm confused. I f- I feel like what's probably happening is they're bringing Chelsea's match day thirty forward, so they can slot another game in later, maybe. I don't know. Someone at logistics messed up. <laughs> hmm. Someone find out and report to the <laughs> Premier League. And be like, "Yo, this isn't correct." Maybe your, should, we, your master scheduler messed maybe up. We should be the guy. We should call <laughs> your them master scheduler messed up. I uh, I actually read an article years ago about uh, the challenge of being the Premier League uh, scheduler. <laughs> yeah, must be a nightmare. Getting all the games. Well, in. isn't it done by a computer? Did we ever talk about this? No, there's like a manager. Cause I know, I, I know, like, like in team. hockey, in hockey, they just like they put all the teams basically into 
like a computer system and they just it just generates like the season well i think it does i think they do that but then there's like a person who has to go and edit edit it because of all the other competitions that go on oh my god you have champions league implications you have fa cup you have carabao cup europa you have all these things going on so yeah you breaks can, you can make a a a schedule easily just for the EPL, but then you have all the other competitions. Yeah. It would be like 90% done probably. Any other 10% would be like nuts to do. I'm picturing like a cartoon thing (laughs) where it's like, it's like, it's like, okay, this is how the story opens up. You got the EPL office. Let's just call it. And it's like a huge building, huge facility. You walk in to the left, you have like a room with like a thousand people. And that's like the VAR officiating room or something. And they turn to the right, and it's just like a single door. You open it up, and it's just a person like with a little typewriter, and that's like the guy that makes the schedule, <laughs> like on an Excel spreadsheet from like Windows ninety five. And then you have like the VAR room, which is like a billion people who just can't figure it out. <laughs> Everyone looking at the, yeah, looking at the tackle, can't figure it out. Yeah, that's that's why I'm gonna make that. I'm gonna outsource that somehow. <laughs> here's my here's my idea. Make a video, our first animated video. Yeah, that'd be perfect. <laughs> Um, yeah, we could probably do that. <laughs> yeah, didn't you do that before? Like an animated thing? Mm-hmm. Like, didn't you do like a like a, a cartoon thing? No. Oh, I you so. did like a cartoon for your your guy's podcast like years ago. You drew, I think you drew something. Oh, like yeah, it was like a doodle one. I'm yeah. thinking more like, uh, have you seen the champions? No. On YouTube. Oh, I've heard of that. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking like I've heard I of can't that. Hear, it's like where the EPL allocates resources and someone walks into a room and it's like VAR. It's like a thousand dollars, can't get anything right. You have one person with a typewriter yeah. doing all this stuff. Yeah, man. Oh. That that could take off. Let That'd us know if great. you guys want to hear that or see that. Um But yeah, so that's we got a whole slew of matches this week, whether it's the actual uh match day twenty nine or makeup games. Um, four matches tomorrow, probably highlight, highlighted by the Southampton Newcastle game. To be honest, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. Might be a good one to to watch. And then on the weekend, your regular uh, Premier League viewing schedule for Saturday and Sunday: United and Tottenham on Saturday, Chelsea Newcastle. We'll see how that happens with the Chelsea Newcastle playing midweek um, against other teams. We'll see how they match up against each other. And then Sunday, the Arsenal Leicester game we touched on. See how Arsenal can perform against them. See that carries momentum onto their midweek game against Liverpool, and then on Monday we have Palace and City. Um, see if you know Crystal Palace can be little ball busters like they are and put City in a weird spot. Mm-hmm. Um, come their match next week against Brighton. Oh, postponed. See, there's so many postponed games. There's games already postponed. Yeah, like two weeks from now. So this guy is making the scripts going to have a time on his hands. Making <laughs> yeah, the, making the script, making the his job's up. already super hard because without he's, COVID. He's seen his vacation, <laughs> and now it's like I got like forty nine games I got to reschedule. <laughs> yeah, it's probably accurate. Forty nine games. I don't know how they're going to fit this whole season in. No. Well, you, I think how many that how many date to be confirmed? Yeah, they want to have the season ended by Mark by May. It's like thirteen May twenty second. Is when they want the season to end. Yeah, I don't know if that's like a hard date or not, or if they're gonna maybe push some games past that. I mean, they only have thirteen. They got to reschedule, and it looks like. But how many of the same team? It looks like Burnley's the most with three. 
Okay, so but so with that Leicester. though, with that they have to stretch the Burnley matches out. They can't replay three games in a week or something. Yeah, everyone else has two besides Leicester and Burnley. Some even only have one. So, what we're trying to say is we have a lot of footy ahead of us still. Yep. And a lot of storylines to finalize and to unpack and unfold. Yeah, it's gonna a lot of uncertainty still. Probably the only certain thing is Norwich. Maybe Watford at this point going down. Uh, Burnley's, you know, picked up some points over the last few games. Everton, though, man. And that's, <laughs> yeah, that uh, is some really murky water that they're playing with. Them very, very scary. The romantic attachment they had to Benitez really messed them up. He actually lost, I think, I don't even know how many games in a row. And they're just like, no, we're sticking by our guy. And now they're where they're at because they didn't want to fire him for now. I said when Lampard got hired, I'm like, just don't get relegated and you'll be okay, which is like probably like going to happen anyways. Mm-hmm. Since he's been there, it's been a shit storm. Yeah. And they just keep slipping down the table. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Uh, and they gave him time team. to make moves. Like he did some move making. Yeah. And they had some really good signings. I mean, mm-hmm. got uh, Van de Beek on loan and uh, Deli Alley. Yeah. So they just got to figure it out. It's, yeah. I think it's probably just one of those situations where the players just got to play better. Which is tough because it's – I mean, there's, there's so many times when the manager kind of gets like the bad rep for it, but it's the players who are playing. Like, you can't mm-hmm. – like – if if there's a player wide open in the, in the middle of the field, if if Calvert Lewin's running wide open, and all he needs is a pass from Deli Alley, and the pass like goes wayward, that's not Lampard's fault. Yeah, like like yeah, what what can I, he do? I think the the player's got to share like a lot of the responsibility, but um, it's tough, right? Can't can't make a lot of player changes. You can always make a manager change. Like you, it's it, I don't think it's a fifty fifty split. I think that's got to lean one way or the other for responsibility. Mm-hmm. I think a lot, I think maybe like 70% is players. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, a manager can control like emotions and egos and tactics behind the scenes and kind of set the players up for like where they should be, but it comes down to how they play and perform. Yeah. And again, like the, the things that you can't account for, like hitting the post, hitting the crossbar, getting a deflection that goes in on an own goal or something. Those are the outliers that you can't look at and blame anyone really, but it still comes back to the manager somehow. Like, yeah. If, if we had a good manager, these goals would go in. Like if we had someone running the show, that's doing a better job. Like we would, you know, not concede four goals a game. And you can see four goals a game because you're playing that crap. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's probably the situation that's happening at Everton. They're just not getting the performances in. And uh, I hope both for the sake of just Everton as a club and for our YouTube wizard that they just stay up because that would be disastrous mm-hmm. if Everton. It would be the biggest club I've seen get relegated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Same. I know um, I was just reading. I think they breached some sort of financial thing with their losses or something. I'm not super clear, but they might get a points deduction if they're found to have broken the rules. Everton, oh, no. yeah, this is just bad to worse if that happens. Yeah, uh, I mean, it could be, it's it's that it could be fines or a point deduction. 
Um, oh, they'll if take they're fines. found, they'll take, they'll, take, they'll take fines at this point. Yeah, we'll pay the fine. I'll pay the fine. Yeah, the the points deduction will probably cost them more than the fine if they get relegated. Oh, big time. Yeah. I mean, as far as like big clubs getting relegated, I mean, Sunderland aren't a they're not a big big club, but they're just a name that's been there forever. Them going down was kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And then getting relegated again, and then I'm pretty sure I saw West Ham get relegated once. I think I saw that too. Like years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Everton, man, they've been there since I've been watching football since mm-hmm. I've been since two thousand and you know three. Yeah, they've always been been a top flight club, and they've always been hovering around the top five, top six for many, many years. So for them to have this decline, yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Thoughts go out to all the Everton fans. <laughs> R.I.P. We're, we're <laughs> like we're just signing them off already. Like just. <laughs> Sorry, boys. Have a good vacation. Yeah. <laughs> good luck in in championship division. Yeah. Now, hopefully they bounce back. Yeah. Hopefully for Lampard's sake too. He's my boy. Like, yeah. hopefully he can pull him out of the gutter. I would hate to see that happen to Lampard and just the whole club. Like, said a lot of times with a lot of different teams, just better when they're in the league. Mm-hmm. Everton's an historic club. I mean, the fans will never hear the end of it if they get relegated. Oh, my God. From imagine? all the Liverpool fans. Oh. They'll, be, they'll be making up new songs on the spot. New chants. Yeah. Like, just saying how, how shit they are or something. Or, like, so far down the table, I can't even see you. <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> um, oh, man. And if, even if Lampard, if they do get relegated, like, is he ever going to work again? Yeah, like, what two, a, like yeah, what really... two unsuccessful stints you've had in your managerial mm-hmm. career? I mean, D- Derby County was one thing. Like, he kind of had a... Like a you know mm-hmm. just just go coach like, you know, like go try out kind of thing like go see what you can do yeah he did well at Derby County but um I mean getting the reins of Chelsea getting the reins of Everton to try and save them as a club oof yeah. two failures mm. if they go down I don't think they'll ever work again no that's <laughs> no, that's, that's a very tough uh, manager manager run for sure yeah. I just want to see how this unfolds. I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting few uh, few weeks to the close of the season. I'm I'm just really pumped that you're going to buy a Newcastle jersey now. Hell yeah! Because um, it doesn't look like Newcastle is going anywhere. Mm-mm. I'll have to hang it in the studio here. Yeah, just sitting 14th, four New wins and a draw. And New the ownership. Five. Loose uh, rumors of Eden Hazard. Yeah. Stop. They want. Go. They could. They got the money. Oh yeah. So like you know, rumors of Hazard Hazard wants to leave Real Madrid. Like I forgot he was even there. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, oh. Chelsea's made a lot of mistakes financially and like transfer wise, but I think getting rid of Hazard at the time that they did was huge. They got. I think they sold him for like hundred mil. Yeah. To to get um to Real Madrid and like since that sign or since that transfer. He hasn't done anything with Madrid. No, he's had a really bad. Unfortunate in his case, yeah. obviously. Like it's not just a performance thing. He's been injured and missed a lot of time. But I mean, like it's not like Chelsea really missed him because he wouldn't have played. You know, he mm-hmm. would, he wouldn't have done anything. So for them to get a hundred million for him when they did, I mean, they they turned around and bought Kappa. So I can't yeah. actually. Be, <laughs> I can't be too happy with it. Got got a lot of money for him and then spent it on uh, Kappa. Oh, that vein in my existence. 
Pain of my existence? Pain of my ass? I don't know what he is. What is it? Uh, the vein of my existence? Um, I don't even know, actually. <laughs> He's a goof. Um, all right, we're just rambling. Are we all done here, boys? Uh, yep. Yeah, we're good. All right. I want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening. Uh, well, as always, you guys can find us on Twitter, Instagram, this uh, video, well, the audio portion of this will be up on YouTube. Maybe you'll see our faces again one day. Maybe we'll record yeah. ourselves and put the video aspect out. But um, for the time being, we've got the audio. So that'll be up on YouTube. You guys can find us at footy underscore fans. Um, that's about it. We will catch up next week after all of the week's action. Hey, everyone. See you. Ciao.